Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone, and we're going to be talking about the latest episode of Doctor Who, The Lie of the Land, and uh, so, uh, sorry, our second attempt recording, hopefully this one will be successful, but Adam, uh, what was your thought on the episode? I thought it set up a lot of great stuff, and then it, it every pretty much every single cool thing it set up, it, it kind of failed to execute well. It, it kind of disappointed me. Yeah, so this one, I, I liked the atmosphere. I felt like I was engaged with a lot of the, uh, especially the earlier parts of the episode. Um, and I enjoyed myself the whole way through, but there were parts of it I didn't like. And so I kind of feel like um, coming on the heels of a really bad middle parter, it didn't quite carry as well. But I, I felt that it did some things. They've covered this ground before, and I kind of liked the, I felt like they did it a little more successfully than in some of the previous episodes but but i I agree with you a lot of the stuff kind of fell really short and uh and 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 it was heavy-handed too um yeah (laughs) very heavy-handed yeah it's uh yeah i mean it's 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 like that's the thing it's like it's both heavy-handed and it pulls back on everything at the same time however you pull that off but uh they managed it (laughs) yeah they they definitely yeah I, i would agree with that and um and also that regeneration that, uh, that I yeah. know, to me, that was a little bit like, I mean, I don't, I was thinking about it. I, I guess it's a weak critique because I couldn't really think of any other way that was going to be all that much better. Um, but it just was kind of like, you know, uh, it was like a little, a little blip on the radar, really. Um, yeah, it's something, it felt like they only put it in to put in the trailer. And, and the thing is, I think there's at least two, two points in previous episodes where they've made a deliberate choice in having him not tell her what regeneration is. So it's like, why would he put in a fake regeneration for as a show for when he has not even told her about it? Okay. You know? Okay. That's, that's an, that's an, I, I didn't even thought of that actually. Um, <laughs> it didn't even, it's like, she, she wouldn't know what that was. His hands are glowing. But also okay. how did he do that? Was that like an, uh, 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 an illusion of some kind that he like he was projecting something or was he like actually tapping into his regeneration abilities to, to, that's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, they've done the thing with him tapping into the regeneration power before, you know, when they've needed to in a plot, but it but seems it, it's either pretty frivolous waste of it. <laughs> but yeah, but it, usually it's like something actually happens and he needs it for something. Yeah. Uh, and this, this was just like a display. So I didn't know. Does that like, you know, is that like like uh, losing a little bit of life just to do that? Or I I was kind of curious. Um, maybe 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 we're getting that new boost from the the Time Lords at the end of the Matt Smith. There, he's like, I got so much regeneration power, I can just burn it. It's still but, uh, stupid. But yeah, I mean, and this was obviously like a very 1984 style episode. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of liked the premise of 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 history being rewritten. I think that's not rewritten, but what would you say reprogrammed into people's minds yeah that was a great idea yeah, yeah. Um, and they did almost nothing with it <laughs> yeah it, it was a very interesting premise um i liked the sort of benevolent uh aspect of the um of the monks like they're sort of like these benevolent dictators that rule over uh you know mankind um but but again a lot like but then once they got to the headquarters it was like there was like two of them you know what I mean? it was like it was i know it was a little bit too sparsely populated um which i i guess maybe was kind of the point they're not supposed to be like this they're not supposed to come in massive force but it felt a little weird that they 
you know. Well, they, yeah, they just had no defense whatsoever. I mean, yeah. they were they were basically pushovers. Yeah. Uh, but like, but oh. they had those two guys that showed up to stop them, and so it just I don't know. It just seemed like wouldn't there at least be like human defend like, yeah, like human people defending right. the place? Like, wouldn't there be something? Um, I mean, I don't know. They already some... established there were the whole, you know, military units going around enforcing their will around the world. So where were they? Yeah. So but... it just it just was kind of like a really weird central headquarters. Unless they were so confident that they were, you know, they were just like, you know, yeah, super arrogant about it. But they didn't see they they, they this is a race that saw every contingency, you know, like every possible outcome in their simulation. So I feel like they must have run a simulation of what their reign would be like too. And you yeah. know, it just, it just seemed a little, <laughs> there should have been some more defenses there. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, another, another element where it completely fell down was uh, the fact that Bill, you know, she's the one that caused all this. Like people were sent to like, you know, work camps and there was all this oppression and stuff. And it's like, it, it, you know, during the, the fake speech the doctor had, he kind of called her out on that. Mm -hmm. But then the fake speech ended and it was never brought up again. It was never addressed that all this horrible atrocities happened around the world because of something she did just to save one person. And there was no weight to it at all. Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of the one thing I did find interesting about that moment is even though he was supposed to be faking, he was making very compelling arguments. And so it wasn't yeah. like I thought they did a good job because the doctor's smart enough that I feel he'd be able to do that. It wouldn't be super obvious that he was uh, was lying, even though I mean, every you knew he was lying. You knew the doctor wasn't really working for the monks, but they did a good job of, of you know, at least planting a little seed of doubt of, well, maybe, maybe. You yeah, know, they you did. Know, you know, um, but uh, but I guess the part about Bill that bothered me is the whole thing was she was supposed to like sacrifice herself, right? Like and become like a uh -huh. vegetable or something, and and she didn't have to do that at all. And 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 because and, of her mom, yeah, because mom. Was, <laughs> and I, I didn't. I, it was kind of too, like like I yeah. didn't. I I, I I like the idea of the mom being this potent thing that she could draw on to defeat the monks. But I felt like the stakes should have been as catastrophic as they said they were gonna be. Uh, yeah do you know what i mean well, it's like, like her, her superpower is she loves her mom it's like yeah. is that not is that like a rare rare trait or yeah. something yeah i mean everybody <laughs> loves their mom yeah well i think i think it's you know what it is though it's not the love it was the memories that were I, largely built on the photographs and so i kind of get you know it, it makes some sort of sense but again it's kind of like uh, again, the end of the episode where like everybody says the doctor's name at the same time and that defeats evil. It's that kind yeah. of a, it's that, it's like a power of love type or a power of this. Um, and, and I mean, I guess in a way it makes sense because she's supposed to be some kind of weird link, but, um, but yeah. I felt like well, Missy's well, that, explanation. That was... You know, that, that was another weird thing, though, is it's like they, they, they said, OK, well, you know, they've got their conduit thing. Then it goes through Bill and then it goes through like all the statues. Yeah. So it's like, isn't she already downstream in the line from that base anyway? I, like, mean, I don't know. I need to see an actual grid map of how this yeah, yeah, system like is working. Configuration. But... I, that's, that's the way it sounded when they, when Missy was but, explaining it. And it's like, well, you know, can't she just do that from her own head? I, I, I don't know. That's, I, that's I a guess, real nitpicky thing there. I guess here's the thing that I would have wanted to see. I, I love, like, I number one, I, I, I'll, we'll talk about this later, but I really liked Missy in this episode. And I like when she's like, I, I just did dropped too. her in a volcano. Um, but I feel like once they established 
like that sort of horrific thing that Bill would have to go through in order to save humanity. If they didn't, if they wanted to pull back from it, fine. But there should the doctor should have come up with something really, really clever. Do you know what I mean like like mm-hmm. really brilliant that was like wow to sort of undo uh, Missy's logic or something? Uh, but it, it was kind of like no, she just got lucky, and it turned out that her mom, her memories of her mom, were more powerful than either of them imagined, and so that that ended up saving her, I guess. Um, yeah, and I, the thing is too, the whole scene where she does that. It's a complete replay of the scene back in the tenant era where the, the episode where we first had River Song, where she, you know, electrocutes herself to, uh, you know, you know, say, you know, well, I forget the specifics of it, but she had to do the electrical yeah. thing that killed her. I, I don't remember why. But, you know, she had the, the doctor handcuffed during it. And he was, you know, it was like it was that exact same setup. But it's like, man. At least she she sort of died. I mean, you know, she still there was still the virtual version of her, but yeah, yeah. it's like at least that was a real price. It's like you copied something and then you made no price whatsoever. Yeah. So it was just like a weak echo of it. Yeah. Now, if they did something interesting, like had it have reverberating effect down the road, that might be you know maybe that would be kind of yeah, a nice thing. Yeah. But, but yeah, I do felt like that there was this huge invasion. This 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 really disruptive uh reign of these people that were messing with people's minds and it, it just all kind of vanishes out of thin air and there's no like i understand i, I like the remembers. idea that people didn't learn from the mistake that was kind of interesting but th- that there was no consequence is is i think what uh, yeah well, that was another heavy-handed thing it's like oh you know the you know, it's like, ha, nobody learned anything from this, stupid humans. And it's like, well, you were plotting this with Missy. You specifically plotted it so that all of it would be wiped out from yeah. everyone's minds. That, yeah. was, yeah. that was your goal, yeah. was to wipe it out of everyone's head. So why are you, oh, idiots, why didn't they learn from this thing when I wiped it out of their <laughs> memories? So, yeah, uh, it's weird it being wiped out from the standpoint that, you know, didn't people like die in these camps or something over six months or something? Or I'm, I'm I mean, a little unclear there... on what was happening in the camps. That's that's the only like how many. Oh, people yeah, I know. Yeah, it's just you couldn't have had that without somebody being killed at some point. Yeah. I mean, there had to be some casualties related to this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. I mean, even just six months have passed. Like, you know, there, there must have been. You know, you know, a lot of people would just die naturally during that time. So true. Uh, but but yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, but yeah, the, the episode did feel pretty heavy handed. I, I would I would definitely agree with that. There was um there was a, mm-hmm. a, a, and again I th- I think it's fine in sci fi, but I I like it to be a little bit more. I don't know. I like I like the I like the messaging to be a little bit more complex sometimes and a little bit yeah. more. Uh, not subtle, but uh, just not as sort of like screaming in your face kind of a kind of a thing. And I felt like that was sort of what they were doing here. Um, it, it's sort of like I, I like to feel like the writer is thinking about this stuff really deeply if they're going to do it and not feel like the writer is just venting, if that makes sense. And, and a lot of this felt more like venting. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, another place where they set something up interesting and then just let it die was when they went to Missy for help. I mean, well, first of all, it's the fact Missy was really underused in this episode for being, wow, this is the episode where Missy comes back. It's like she was barely in it. But, uh, you know, her sitting up thing, no, you've got, you know, she's saying, you know, you're going to have to, you know, kill her. She's going to have to, 
you know, get get wiped out. And that's, you know, she went through a whole thing about her version of good and the doctor's version of good and how they weren't going to be the same. And it's like, wow, that's kind of interesting. But the doctor was just completely right. There was another way. And it's yeah. like, it, it's, it's you know, that, that there should have been some ambiguity going through the season, but they already, they already cleaned that up. Well, I will say in, in, in defense of that, the one thing that would maybe annoy me is sometimes shows will have, like you'll have a character where you have sort of like, like for lack of a better word, like an established morality of the setting. And, yeah. and if they went and they inverted that and turned it on its, on its head, where like yeah. for eight years it's been the doctor is good and now suddenly maybe the doctor's not, you know, then it, it can... Oh, it, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. But, I, I didn't want them to really invert it, but if you're going to raise that conflict, you should have at least you know, done something with it before it was, obviously it was going to be established. The doctor's way is right, but they just, they just made it such a pushover concept. Why even bring it up? Yeah. Well, and it was an interesting conflict and, 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 and you, and as, as little as she appeared in the episode, I found the, the, the way that, you know, her, her, her brief time was, was used effectively. So like very much so. Yeah. So, so I mean, mean, you know, I I wanted, I wanted them to have more Missy. So I, I felt like the, you know, maybe it was good that, there wasn't so much of her. But, yeah, um, that's true. It whets their appetite for later in the season. But, um, but because I think she's a character that you can easily overuse. She's been in like every every season, <laughs> and I mean, she's obviously like kind of a breakout character in the Cabaldi era. Um, yeah. But in this one, I thought they were making her a little bit more sexy than she usually is, like in her mannerisms and stuff. And and I was really wondering you know, how genuine is this conversion that she's going through? Um, yeah. You know, are we going to just yeah. get like, ah, I was just fooling you the whole time kind of a thing. Um, I know it's, I'm really conflicted on this because on the one hand, having her just become good would ultimately be kind of boring in the long run. You know, it'd be like, well, okay, the master's good now. Okay. But on the other hand, I don't want it to be just something as simple because, you know, the Davros episode they did, I really liked that episode for the most part, but mm-hmm. it seems it's just, just Davros it flat out being him pretending the whole time and him just being totally evil was, 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 I don't know. It was just kind of like, eh, I don't know. That's kind of disappointing. None of those, none of those scenes really meant anything. Well, Cause it kind of <laughs> like at, you want, if they're going to add a dimension to the character, you want it to kind of remain there as something that gives the character a little more complexity now. Um, exactly. Exactly. It's like, like, like I said, I hope they've, I hope they've found some third path here between those two with the messy plot line. Yeah, because, I mean, they could still make... I mean, you could still have conflict between them, even if she reformed, mm-hmm. because there still could be residual anger over, like, the whole process she went through, or, you know, sure. who knows. Um, well, that was that was why I thought it was interesting they brought up the whole thing of her own version of good and that kind of thing. I thought, oh, okay, she could become her own idea of good, but they, they completely undermined her point when they established that in the first place. So it's like, uh, I don't know. It was, well, it, was but, it was a poor way to go about it. But that that is maybe I mean, but we could they could pick up on that. Like she could become like a, um, like too much of a crusader type. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like maybe maybe like a good Missy is like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> because she's, um, you know, she, she's like a little too enthusiastic about, yeah. you know, and uh but yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I'm 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 interested to see where they take her. Uh, I'm glad this wasn't the finale. I think it's good that this was not the finale. Oh it, yeah, if this know, was the finale. I would be really yeah. disappointed. 
So, and the next episode kind of looks like it's a little bit of a filler episode when I saw the trailer. Well, it's something. a Mark, yeah, Mark Gaddis episode too. So that's another another danger sign. Yeah. So... <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so I don't know. I I mean, I, I guess my feeling on this one is, I like the it was it was sort of like if 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 it was like I would give the first episode of of the three parter a uh, a full star. I would give no stars uh-huh. to the middle episode, and I would give like half a star to to this episode. I think it's a little bit generous, but I think that's you know. So I, yeah, well, this was better than the last episode. As you say, it was entertaining while it was while I was watching it. I was yeah. never bored watching it. I mean, even when I was picking holes in it as I was watching it, it was you know it was an engaging hour of television, even mm-hmm. if it was nothing great. But uh, yeah, last last week I was I was bored for a lot of the episode, and that's. That's like the worst thing that could happen during Doctor Who. It doesn't have to make sense, but it should never be boring. Yeah, I, I would, I would, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, and, and last episode just had a, and and the other thing is they never brought back the woman from the lab who was like the one part of it that I liked. So yeah, you know, like yeah. like uh, I mean, you know, you know, if you're gonna have the Doctor flirting with her like that. They don't necessarily have to become like boyfriend girlfriend. I know that's not like the doctor's thing, really. But and he's you know he's still probably Morning River Song, but a a, a nice friendship could certainly have arisen out of that. Um, yeah, yeah, so. that would have been a good touch. I mean, maybe they'll bring her back at some point now, anyway. But uh, of course, I don't know. People really liked her a lot. They you know, they've already got the episodes in the can, and Capaldi's not going to be around next season anyway. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see if they if they already planned for that. But he's going to be uh, back for the Christmas episode, right? Is that? Oh, that's probably true. Yeah, I'm actually not 100 percent certain on that, but I, I would guess he would be. So, so what do we have? So we have the uh, the Empress of Mars, the Eaters mm-hmm. of Light, World Enough in Time, and then the Doctor Falls, which I'm assuming must hope you know is probably a regeneration episode, and then I don't know somehow. I, I, I see that's what I'm a little unclear on if they're going to have him regenerate at the end of this season and then he somehow comes back during the christmas episode for like i don't know and you know you know a prequel to the to 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 him being uh to him regenerating or you know or maybe yeah. it's going to be a multiple doctor episode or something but um but i don't know we'll see but uh but yeah so mark gaddis is doing the next episode the last yeah. two will be done by moffat and um Rachel Tolay. What is she, has she directed before for the show? Rachel Tolay? I have not. I don't know the name off the top of my head. I've forgotten her if she has. But um, but it but, looks uh, like she's uh, she's directed. Oh, she uh, she did some Sherlock episodes, I think. Um, oh, she's uh, done. No, she's which... done. Oh, she did uh, Death in Heaven, Dark Water, Heaven Sent, Hell Bent. She did quite a few. Um, oh really? Yeah. Okay. I, I I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention to the uh, writers last last season, so. And but, um, uh, yeah, so she's written for season eight, season nine, and season ten. She's di- or not written, directed, right. and she's uh, done um, uh, two. Looks like two episodes each one. So, um, so we'll probably be in good hands um, with the directing. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I still say the season's pretty good. I don't have any complaints about it really, for, except for um, uh, extremists and oh, sorry, not extremists. Uh, the pyramid at the end of the world. And yeah. what was the uh, there was one other episode I think I wasn't too big on. Oh, um, uh, was it uh, 
the nice i think it was the one you didn't nice, like yeah, yeah that was the the, nice. the one the the victorian one but i liked I a lot of the other episodes so far so i think it's been yeah overall... it's it's a perfectly fine season it was just i just had after extremists i had high hopes for this yeah. storyline and it's like and eh. it's but, ultimately the problem is extremists was such a good episode but because it's all build up it's never going to be as good as that first time again because you know it's not going to pay off. But. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think the 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 pyramid at the end of the world just really didn't, uh, it just didn't connect with me for some reason. So I'm curious, what was the reaction to that? Anyways, was it generally positive or was it more? No, it got pretty uh pretty negative. I looked around after we talked, and okay. uh, I don't think I don't think anyone liked it very much. Okay, you know it's interesting because I'm looking at the now I know Wikipedia is like a fighting ground for like you know people you know so so yeah, take with yeah. a grain of salt. But but according to Wikipedia, under their critical reception thing, it says the pyramid at the end of the world received generally positive reviews, um, and it currently holds eighty five percent fresh at uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Um, hmm. But again, I of course bet there was a whole editing war leading up to that, you know. So who who knows well, how? Uh... I I was gonna say too. I I just looked at the the nerd friendly reviews. I mean, I looked at the role playing forums. I looked at okay. like Ars Technica's review. I looked at you know I was looking at all reviews that were you know the, the AV Club's review. I was looking at, at reviews written by written by geeks and it's okay. like they all hated it but you know maybe like entertainment weekly was like wow fantastic i guess that's the thing yeah you, you kind of get I, I get i guess we're sort of more in the geek camp and so that's you know yeah um, i i but, so I, I i was pretty myopic in my uh, my review hunting there i have to admit I... but but <laughs> but but sometimes that happens i've seen episodes that get like great reviews like you said like entertainment weekly but in like the gaming forums and stuff people really don't like them and so or like the real like real like who people don't like them or something so exactly um, so yeah I, I believe it probably could have gotten uh, gotten some good reviews in there but uh but yeah but, i was uh, i was i was uh that that one was was the one that really got me this one i mean i guess this this one was an okay episode i guess is how i would frame it and uh yeah it was fine it was fine i mean it like i said it, it it's I'm harder on it because it is the third part of a trilogy. It's like, it really should have been great. And it was just like, ah, it's an okay episode. Love saves the day, blah, 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 blah. blah. And also I was so looking forward to having a three-parter in this season. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I kind of, maybe I got, I, I, I kind of got what I deserved, like talking about how great <laughs> three parters and the two parters were. And then, you know, the three parter we got, it wasn't like, you know, it just wasn't what I was, uh, you know, anticipating. No. But that's the risk whenever you have a two or a three parter is it's like a roll of the dice. Like it might, you know, it might be great, but it might really suck. Because once you're committed to it, you're committed to it. And, and you know, you're just going to have to ride it out. So, yeah, it's it's weird, too, because it's like a three-parter that had different writers on the episodes i mean steven moff did the first one himself and he co-wrote the second one then you have a completely different writer for the third one with toby whithouse and it's like it it didn't none of the episodes really feel that coherent together you know yeah i would agree with that i would agree It it didn't it felt like they felt like very different episodes doing very different things and it was very jarring because the first one the first one was like a very interesting sort of matrixy, but but kind mm-hmm. of like scary, and you know it, it it had like the whole Vatican thing going on. It was like a real dark tone to that episode, and then the middle yeah. episode, even though it was, it was like a very dark subject matter, arguably, really felt like a um to me it felt almost like an Independence Day type 
sort of extravaganza that yeah. all pivoted around the events at this lab for some reason. And then this one was like a dystopian 1984 type, you know, sort of uh, sort of episode. But but yeah, I, I think if they were stitched together a little more, it might have. But I don't, I don't know if but but continuity of tone wasn't really the 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 issue for me. It was mainly that middle episode, and then you know like yeah. some of the stuff we complained about with the final the final episode. And, and actually, looking at Wikipedia, it looks like and again, it's very early. It's just the next day, so you know, like I said, Wikipedia seems to be a fighting ground for these things. But um, it says uh, Lie of the Land got mixed to positive reviews, and Radio Times gave it two out of five stars. Daily Mirror gave it two out of five stars, so that was you know. Um, okay. Uh, so. IGN gave it eight point seven. Entertain- Entertainment Weekly gave it a B. Uh, gave it a B. Okay. Yeah, IGN curious. too. IGN is that. That's like the hackiest of the hackiest. <laughs> you know. I mean, that's that's you know they got paid their money. They gave their review. So, but here's the interesting yeah. thing: the middle episode, right? The one that we really hated. Uh, that got at Daily Mirror. That got four out of five stars. Radio Times four out of five stars. Um, wow. Entertainment Weekly gave it a B plus. Well, isn't the Radio Times the BBC's publication anyway? If I'm correct, it, I, I don't know, but I mean, if they gave the next the, the next episode two out of five, they you know they must that's be true. Fairly that gives good. a little bit of credibility. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but the Daily Mirror is um, you know I've I've seen some pretty harsh reviews from them before. I think. Um, oh sure. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, it, it's kind of interesting looking at the look. You know, I'm wondering if how did maybe what did people think about the uh, the extremist episode? That's that's a you know. I wonder. I, wonder I think how... people like that on the whole. I heard some people dismiss it. Like the only complaint I'd hear people some people go, "Oh, it's just one of those. It was all a dream episodes, and it was all fake." And my counter to that is, no, it wasn't because it's not like they came out of the. Came, you know, for one thing, nobody came out of that illusion. They were stuck in the illusion, and they died in the illusion. Yeah. <laughs> and and secondly, it it had meaning. It was the warning of the invasion. So it wasn't like, oh, it's over. It was all fake. Everybody yeah. woke up and that was the end you know so it, it had consequence so yeah, no, that that one did get I, very good reviews uh games radar gave it five stars daily mirror well daily mirror only gave it three um radio times huh. gave it five new york magazine gave it five uh sfx magazine gave it five av club gave it an a uh rotten tomato meter has it at a hundred percent but then the rotten tomatoes average score is 8.43 whatever that means so <laughs> But yeah, it looks like that one was sort of the the more popular episode for sure. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I guess at least you know what though that episode itself that's a real that's an episode that you know works on its own. You don't need the next episode really. No, um, it, it does. You're right because the stuff that happens in the simulation does stand on its own. I mean, that's the end of that story for them. Yeah. It's like boom, it's over. So yeah, there is. You're right. It does have some some you know decent sustainability as its own episode because of that but uh yeah i'm really pulling for next week to be good even though mark gaddis has done just nothing but mediocre to bad episodes just from the standpoint that i like him as an actor and you know and when i see him interviewed he's generally an entertaining guy it's like come on man i I really want you to pull out a good episode here. It's like it's like I like you. You should be doing better. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm pulling for next week, even yeah. though he always disappoints me. 
Yeah, I, I have noticed that when it, I mean maybe it's just just a matter of taste, but but it, but whenever I see his name on an episode, it usually is an episode I didn't really enjoy that much. Um, no. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, but 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 also I think you know I don't know I don't know how you know maybe maybe they just give him the crappy episodes to write. Who knows? You know, like <laughs> I don't know because I mean he's he and Moffat are like best buddies, so I, I don't think he'd really stick the junk on him there. Oh, yeah. You know, because I mean you know Mark Gaddis, I think aside from Moffat, he's one of the most consistent writers that's been around for a long time. Yeah, he did the Unquiet Dead, the Idiot's Lantern, Victory of the Daleks. Night Terrors, Cold War, The Crimson Horror. I, I didn't mind The Crimson Horror, actually. I thought that was a pretty good one. Crimson Horror was yeah. kind of fun. I, yeah. I, you know, I kind of got sick of the whole that, well, like, you know, like I said, I don't particularly have a problem with the Victorian episodes, but I kind of got sick of the whole crew of characters they had there. It was like kind of a little, yeah. just a little too cheesy at oh, times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh. You know, it was fine. But yeah, Crimson Horror, actually, they worked well in Crimson Horror because that was a really, really pulpy episode. Yeah, that's what I, I think that maybe that was why it works so well, too. And I, again, mm-hmm. I don't usually like the Victorian episodes, but that one I uh, I enjoyed. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm, you know, we'll see. We'll see how next episode is. You know, I'm, I'm pulling for, for a winner as well, but, you know, I won't. Uh, I, I won't I won't be super disappointed if it's not good. No, I kind of know going in that I'm not a big Gaddis fan. So, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm bracing for the worst, but I'm like I'm just I'm gonna give him another chance. That's all. Well, you know what? It, what is too? Sleep no more. Really, really bothered me. Um, and so, you know, before it was like mediocre fare. Maybe do you know what I mean? It wasn't like it wasn't quite as on my radar as. Uh, uh, you know, as he became Wait, which one, which one, I'm sorry, which one disappointed you? Oh, sleep no more. Sleep oh, no that more. was bad. That one, that was that, bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. that was when I was like, Oh my God, that, that episode is like a mortal sin. Um, yeah, yeah. But, eye boogers attack of the eye boogers. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was embarrassing. And yeah. And the ending on it was pretty cheesy and I don't know. They never, never really paid that up. You know I'll say one not- thing for next week. I thought the direction on this episode was pretty good. It was a well-directed one and the same guy is directing the next episode. So okay. visually it might have some good direction. Now, I mean, going. now you have a little bit of background in acting and I don't. So when okay. you say an episode is well-directed to you, what does that mean? Like what, what, what are you looking for? <sighs> Ooh, Lots of things. Uh, the performance. I mean, because, uh, yeah, directing is like a huge job. You're the person that kind of deals with the actors, but you're also the person that sets decides where the camera's going to be. And mm-hmm. you're the person that's over the editor's shoulder. So, but yeah, I, I thought in, in, you know, with this episode, it was well shot. There were lots of good scenes. I mean, the scenes, you know, in the end, in the, the mind control place, it's like those were visually interesting scenes. The, the opening montage showing the world was really well put together i mean it was visually a good episode and the performances were great in this episode i mean that was one of the disappointments when the doctor was making his whole fake speech you know that was really good acting and i and uh yeah i mean just the act the acting through the whole episode was was perfect you know i mean so on both those counts i thought it was uh, it was well directed okay you know i just thought because i because i realized sometimes i'll say oh this is you know great director and i'll just mean i like the movie do you know what i mean i think a lot of people i know, know, what I, mean. I, know. But I but i i suspected you might have more specific things in mind um 
Uh, yeah, I, like I said, I thought I thought on you know basically people, there's people that are really good technical directors that can shoot a good scene but can't work with actors, and also there's people the other way around. But I, now, I thought this did well on both counts. Now, now, what's something you would look for like a bad director with actors? What's something that I might see that would uh, like oh, a that, good a oh, good go clue is. A good clue is when you've got people that are that are good actors that are terrible in the movie. That's always a really good clue, you Because okay. yeah, I mean, yeah, we. Oh God, I hate to go back and gripe about this after spending so much time on it. But the prequels, there's plenty of good actors in the Star Wars prequels, mm-hmm. and they're all terrible. Okay. And you know that tells you a lot right there. It's like just Lucas doesn't know how to work with actors. Mm-hmm. But uh, but you know that's 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 always a good warning sign. Because, okay. yeah, you know, you could, I mean, if you've never seen somebody in a movie before, it's hard to say, do they just stink? But, uh, you know, overacting can be a can be a good sign that someone's a bad director, because, okay. you know, one one thing you're often told to do as an actor is to is when you're when you're in the rehearsal stage is to kind of overact because yeah. it's a lot easier for the director to say, hey, tone that down, mm-hmm. you know, than to say, bring it up, you know, because okay. they. You know, so you kind of throw everything out there, and the person's like, uh, you know. But yeah. uh, now, what if it's an actor though whose whole thing is like overacting? Like, what if it's like a Gary Oldman or uh, uh, you know, like that, like that kind of a a persona? Well, you see, the thing is, Gary Oldman can be really quiet in things. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like the Dark Knight movies, he's mm-hmm. like completely subdued in that, which you know means somebody probably told him to dial it down. You know? No, that's true. <laughs> but but like for like the whole duration of the '90s, it felt like his his whole thing was really hugely over the top characters and i feel like he just decided he didn't want to do that anymore after a certain point i don't think he's even That's really true. played a villain in a while actually when was the last time he played a villain oh god I, i'm kind of hazy on it last thing i can remember him was tinker Taylor soldier spy I, I can't think of what he's done since then uh, i mean i've seen him around him? in things for sure um but he yeah he seems to play more like supporting friendly type characters these days i mean he does a fine job of it it's just a you know, for me, like I love those sort of like like actors who can play villains like that. I, you know, I, <laughs> you don't get the, that many of them. You know, there aren't that many Vincent Prices in the world. No. And so no, every no, once no. in a while, we get people like that. We had like him and Alan Rickman, and you know, you know, and there have been a handful of others over the years. But uh, yeah, but yeah, and that's that. That brings up my point, though. If someone if someone can do that kind of thing, it's kind of good when you're doing your initial rehearsal to go as over the top as you can, because not everyone can do that. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like it's, if you just do a really subdued performance, the director isn't going to be able, e- able to easily say, Hey, you know, do it in that, in a, in a, you know, really over the top way because they, you know, your average person can't be Vincent Price at his hammiest or, okay. you know, be Gary Oldman. They, you know, they can't do that. But I, you know, I mean, it depends on the performance. I'm not saying actors should always, I'm kind of overstating the case of saying, you know, it's like you don't want to, you know, go too crazy in your early rehearsals sometimes, but it's it's good to experiment. No, I'm just always curious about this kind of thing because, like, you know, I, I watch movies, I watch shows, I have no experience acting. The closest that I would come would be role playing, which is not, you know, is it, I'm nowhere, you know, they're not trying to act when I role play. Um, yeah, so, it's 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 weird because, yeah, I I, you know, I feel like I should be a more active 
you know, role player with my acting skills, but it's, it's really hard a lot of times to actually work those into role playing. <laughs> okay. Oh. Well, I mean, they seem like two different activities really to me. Like they are, they you know. are. It's cause yeah, I think it's, I think it's just cause you know, it's not, it's not like I can really, you know, I mean, people talk about immersion in role playing all the time and it's like, yeah, you, I mean, you can't just sink into your character and be your character in a role playing game the way you can when you're acting just mm-hmm. because you're, you're playing a game and dealing with dice and looking at your character sheet, you know, mm-hmm. you can't, can't, can't quite do it the same way, but every now and then uh, I'll, I'll have my acting kick in, but mm-hmm. you know, it comes and goes. Well, I mean, and I, I think, um, but, but, but again, I, I think, you know, what, what, what I find interesting here is the, um, is sort of, you know, the, I feel like there's a lot, there's a lot more discussion now about like whenever an episode airs, I hear a lot of people talk about the acting and stuff like that, but I'm never really a hundred percent sure what people mean. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Kind of like the no. And so I, it's, it's acting is something that's really talked about much. It's funny to me because celebrities like actors are interviewed all the time on talk shows and it's like, you know, they almost never actually talk about acting. You know, it's, yeah, yeah, they, it's they'll like, very rarely get into like the specifics, right? Like, they'll speak in very general terms, but they're not—they're yeah. not really educating the audience on, uh, you know. So, like, no, because I, mean, I have I was, no I was, idea what goes, what an actor is thinking, what they're doing when they're, you know, like, you know, it, it's just a complete mystery to me. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'll tell you that the background stuff you do when you're acting. Mm-hmm. actually is helpful in role playing like especially as a game master because when you're acting a lot of time like the technique i learned uh is you kind of look at all your lines you think what am i actually doing in this in the, with, you know, with this dialogue here okay mm-hmm. right here i'm trying to intimidate the person mm-hmm. okay here i'm changing my tactics and i'm trying to kind of cajole them over to my side when the intimidation didn't work now i'm doing you know you kind of think of you know you don't just think about the words you think what am i doing with these words mm-hmm. and i find when i write npcs it's helpful to kind of come up with a few what are, what are the techniques this person's going to use you know okay. what's their you know what's what's their means of influence going to be here you know when they interact with the pcs okay, okay so that's like i said i'm not i'm not literally acting a lot of times sometimes the acting will kick in if it's a long talky scene but but that that helps me a lot. It's it's more useful. It's, it more, comes in more as a GM because in a GM you planned a lot of these scenes ahead of time that they're you know I mean you know not in a railroady way just in the fact that there's probably going to be a scene where they go in and talk to this guy about this thing and mm-hmm. so you can you can kind of lay some lay some dialogue there ahead of time. Okay, I see what you're saying. But, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's always a tricky thing. How to sort of I mean I know we're sort of veering a little bit, but but the <laughs> the, the the whole idea of um, like the way that I generally do it when I'm doing that sort of thing is I, uh-huh. I, I, I find that if I, if I, if I have anything I have to remember, then I get hung up on what I have to remember. And so I get lot, like I'll start getting confused. Yeah. And so now what I do is I just, I just think of what the NPC wants and that usually exactly. is a good enough guiding point for me so that if the players go there, I'm like, okay, well, I know, I know Rick really wants to get that Camaro, so he's going to do everything in his power to get that Camaro. And that's and... that's the same. That's that that is basically the same technique. Because yeah, before you you have to establish what the person wants, then you think how are they going to get it. You come mm-hmm. up with like, not just one strategy. You come up with like two or three strategies on how they're going to convince the NPCs to do what they want, mm-hmm. and then you then you kind of 
you, you kind of switch back and forth between those strategies based on what's working. Okay, okay. And, that's, and, then, I, and that's then I guess the it's technique. a question of whether the GM is on the ball and like if he's really be, even being receptive to like, you know, you can have a brilliant plan sometimes and then if the GM doesn't really pick up on what you're trying to do, it could, you Oh know, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, well, I'm talking, I'm talking on the GM side though. Mm. As a GM, I do that. And, uh, and, you know, you know, like I said, if the, if, if none of my strategies work on the PCs, that's fine. You know, it's like I, as long as I made it an interesting scene and they reacted, mm-hmm. you know, if the, if the PCs get what they want, that's you know, usually the way the game's ultimately supposed to go. <laughs> yeah, no, and sometimes when they don't get what they want, as long as it goes somewhere fun, it's it can be yeah. interesting. Um, yeah, I think yeah. I, that's sort of my like I, I don't know I, I but but I think I think NVZ motives is really a good. For me, I find that incredibly useful because it's like it's such a condensed thing. Like, okay, this guy wants this thing, and this person likes this thing, and you know, you, and then if and then if they become more important, I can maybe elaborate on it. But like, I don't need, I don't, I find I often don't need more than that one little root. No, no, actually, actually, writing dialogue and stuff's a mistake. It's just as long as you have an idea of what a person wants, the dialogue's just gonna come. It's uh, it's pretty simple. Well, but, and, I, uh, and in role playing games, I find players are pretty forgiving of bad dialogue like if uh, oh like, sure like I, I i don't think i've ever delivered anything shakespearean you know i've never i've never i've never managed to pull off anything that was you know that i put on paper but uh <laughs> but the intent can be discerned by the players and so um but i find i find also when i'm playing characters my energy level is funny i'm like a um uh i call it the bill philosophy of gaming because this is how bill used to run games but I sort of build up like a like a steam engine. So I find when I first uh-huh. start the session, everything feels lethargic and my characters are a little bit flat. But then as the session goes, everything gets way more energetic and I sort of start building on what's happened in the first 20 or 30 minutes. And so, um, yeah, that's that's actually another acting technique. There's an well, there is an acting technique related to that called the moment before. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's basically you have that in scenes where people are reading a scene in like an acting class or something and they, they kind of start and blah, blah, blah. And then like halfway through the scene, everyone gets really intense and it gets interesting. Okay. And so what you do is you think, what was happening the second before this scene started? And why am I already pumped? You know? Okay, okay, that's interesting. That's <laughs> and you know, the scene starts and you're like, boom, you know, you're already arguing with someone or something. Okay. You know? Okay. Well, and you can do that. Like I've started, like you start a session out with a bang like that. Yeah. Definitely. And that can definitely get a game going. I just find that my natural energy levels, I got to build up. I got to sort of, I don't know, like the gears in my head need to kind of get some use just doing yeah. useless things at the beginning of the game. And then as, as that, ha- then things start to fire on their cylinders and, um, and it's, yeah, it's just everyone, like it's like everyone gets more man. comfortable being stupid too. The more stupid things that happen during a session, the more the more laid back everyone gets. The more willing to take risks people get. I said, yeah. The more people people basically get more willing to take risks. You know, as far as saying something dramatic or doing mm. dramatic things or whatever. Or I don't know. It's, it's, people get more creative over the course of a session. I find. Yeah, I th- I, you know what it is? I think people start to relax, too. I think it's a combination of exactly. relaxing. And so, but what I do find is I find that, the, the, I always say, like, the first 10 to 15 minutes of a session always feel very tense. Like, the GM yeah. is a little bit sort of like, ah, I don't feel comfortable. You know, like, like there's, 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 there's just that little moment. And I GM four games, not a week, but I, I two games a week now. 
I think, and it's four different games. And and even with that, like the first fifteen minutes is always sort of like it, no matter what, it's just always like that. And then after that, it's like easy. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so. It's... I mean, it's, 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 you know, I mean, it's kind of a stage fright thing. I mean, people that get stage fright acting, usually, usually you only get stage fright, like right before you go on and maybe when you first go on and then, you know, then it's gone, you know, it's more of an anticipation thing. And so it's, it's kind of the same principle. And, uh, but yeah, once you get past it, boom, you're fine. Well, and I also think it kind of takes a little bit of time, even if it's like the same group of people meeting every week for the group mm-hmm. dynamics to kind of settle. Do you know what I mean? Like for like everybody yeah. to kind of get a sense of like, okay, it's this person's turn to speak. It's this, but like, there's like a, I don't know. There's something that sort of just becomes very intuitive after those first 15 minutes. But initially it's like, somebody's got to get the ball rolling. It's the GM obviously. And you know, the people aren't quite like the GM might say something, but people aren't quite responding to it just yet. And then, you know, cause people are just sort of getting into the mood of play. And then after, after those 15 minutes have elapsed, it starts to, everything starts yeah. to roll. And I mean, we, we, you know, we game online, you know, by a video chat and it's like, that adds a whole nother level of, of tension to it because, you know, you're never really making eye contact with people, you know, you, yeah. they're looking at the camera, you're looking at the camera, but are they looking at you on the screen or are they looking at someone else or there's just, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's almost this degree of social connection, but there's just kind of this disconnect. So it takes a little longer to really get comfortable. Yeah, no, I have noticed that. There, there's when somebody's in the room with you, it's very different than when they're on the screen. I, I've also noticed though, over like I've done, I've done enough online gaming now that when I first started, that used to really bother me, and now it's uh-huh. almost like I don't even notice it. Like I have one game where I have half the group plays remotely by uh, Google Hangouts, and the other half are at the table. And, uh, and, and honestly, some, you know, when there have been weeks when, for whatever reason, we had to do the game entirely online, it hasn't been that different. Um, and I think that's just because it's been going on for so long now, people are kind of used to, there's, you know, they're, they're used to the sort of lack of eye contact aspect and, uh, um, (laughs) you know, some of the muffled sound, you know, they're, they're like technical glitches that get in the way of everything. And, um, sure. But, uh, but yeah, but I do think that adds to it for sure. On the other hand, playing online gives you more opportunity to play. So you can kind of get over that sort of stuff. Like, like if, if you have a real game that doesn't go well, right, you've invited all these people over to your house. (laughs) Yeah. You've got to kind of sit with it if it's like going bad. And if it's an online game, it's not, it just isn't, is the stakes don't feel quite as high if everything bombs. Uh, no, I, I agree. It's, it, 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 you know, I mean, you know, it's the same with like, you know, when you have to cancel a game, if you're canceling an online game, it's like, yeah, I feel like, yeah, if someone cancels it. That's fine. Whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm sitting on my couch. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> it's yeah, I, I didn't yeah, I, I didn't have to make any special plans. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, it, I mean, there, it's, it's, it's a very different concept, too. I find different games work for online than work in real life, too. But uh well, I think the more you include things like miniatures, the harder it becomes to run them online. The more, yeah. the more you need visual aids that like you really need to quickly flash to the players, unless you're very adept at managing a lot of the, the sort of, you know, the, their methods for screen sharing and things like that. Um, but if but if you're like me and that doesn't come like second nature, um, those can be harder to run. 
Uh, I think it works well for like like theater of the mind style play. It does, uh, yeah. And uh, and uh, and uh, you know, I mean, it's it's you know, I, I you probably heard the story on the forums too, how Gygax would always you know, hide behind a file cabinet when he was running his game and people wouldn't even see him, you know, and he was just kind of this disembodied voice during the session. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, so that's, that's like a case of a game that would work fine online. You wouldn't have had any issue with that. Well, that's but, a very uh, interesting technique too, because that's sort of like voice of God style. Uh, yeah. Gaming. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and it's it's interesting from the standpoint that back then players had to do all their own mapping of the dungeon and everything too. So it's like you wouldn't have the map and the grid and the miniatures. He'd just be telling you stuff, well, and you're making your map. And... Honestly, I never really. <laughs> that's a development in gaming I've never really quite understood. Um, uh-huh. I understand why it happened because I guess with three E things did become a little more tactical, you could say. Yeah. And so yeah. there was a proliferation during the D twenty boom of like tiles and things like that but i i never i never found those comfortable i always i i always felt like uh i always did it where like the players map what you describe to them uh, mm-hmm. and that's kind of just how it is uh the, yeah. the tiles just never really resonated with me as a as a player um, yeah I, I, the problem i had I, i'm not completely opposed to miniatures i've played in a lot of fun games with miniatures but i feel like when i get into miniatures i'm moving a playing piece and it, it kind of instead of you being the character you've got your piece here that's on the table that you're moving around and yeah just yeah that, that's you know. i mean and there are some scenarios where you need that like if you're doing a tactical sure. swat style thing that's it's kind of hard to do that you can do it but you won't have the ta- the tactical choices yeah. matter as much um yeah you know, i mean the, the... i ran savage worlds for years and i i like playing that with miniatures but i'd always be selective i'm like should this combat use miniatures or yeah. not yeah and that's uh, the, that's that's the key thing also savage worlds moves pretty quickly i find so mm-hmm. it's not like a it doesn't get bogged down as much as like a 3e type game could get with the with the miniatures uh, I remember some because I, I mean I've played in plenty of games where they use miniatures, they use the tiles, and I, I I honestly have less of an issue with the big big giant mat using miniatures than the than the individual tiles. And I think the reason why I don't like the tiles is what sometimes happens is the GM has to sculpt entire adventures out of whatever tiles he tiles he had. Yeah. That's what I hate, and yeah. that's why that's why I I never use minis online is because. You kind of need to have that prepared graphic mm-hmm. that you're going to use to move the miniatures around on and everything. Mm-hmm. And if I am using miniatures, I just want a big dry erase mat. Yeah. I want some dry erase markers, and that way I can scribble anything down I want on the on the map. I can make any map I want, but I, I've never found a really easy way to handle that kind of thing online. Yeah, so. no, I, I agree. Now, now I ha- I do know people that excel at it. I mean, we both know Rob, and he he's, he's great so at he, it. Like he has yeah. number one, he gets like tons of different tiles somehow, like all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. And he's good at sort of orchestrating interesting scenarios on the tiles. So I think when people are good at it, it can work. It's just that for me, I I've always whenever I shift to that as a GM, I feel like my game kind of grinds to a halt, or I. I miss a beat somehow and things just kind of start to start to, to limp along. Um, yeah. But I do think, I do think Savage Worlds is a good system for that sort of stuff. Um, it is. But I, yeah. And you know, and getting back to that, I, I only have a complaint with that as a GM. It just doesn't fit my GM style as a player. You know, like you say, Robert does a fantastic job with it. And I re anytime he plays a game, I'm really excited to be in it. It doesn't, it just, it just doesn't work for me when I try. 
No, I, I think uh, I have a similar situation. I, I mean, I honestly have. I had more frustrations with. Um, uh, I, I remember there again with th- with three E in particular. I remember there being some really grueling miniature combats that uh-huh. I, I participated in as a player, and and at a certain point, I just remember thinking like, you know, can we just can this just be over? Can this like, be over? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's it's funny because that was marketed as being the back to the dungeon game, and that was the original tagline for it. And you try and run a dungeon crawl with three E, and it's like, okay, you get three rooms into the dungeon, and it took you like, you know, two and a half hours. <laughs> I think with three E, it depends on how you run the thing. Um, I uh-huh. I ran it when I first got three E. I didn't quite the tiles made no sense to me. A lot of things that they were doing made no sense. I just, and I just kind of ran it like the way I ran two E or one E or whatever. And, yeah. And uh, you know, I found like the dungeon stuff was fine. I, it was when there start there's when when people really started to get into sort of the challenge rating system and 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 structuring dungeons according to that, so that you. It seemed like, especially if you were using stuff out of dungeon, or if you were following the guidelines that that let it kind of become established by that point. I felt like you you would do this thing where you go into a room and you have this big long combat, and then you go to another room and then there's this big long combat, and like every combat is perfectly matched to you so that it lasts exactly. You know, yeah. And so, uh, you know, you know, and 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 I remember. The, the the so the 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 breaking point for me I, I was a huge Ravenloft fan and and at one point I think the uh, I forget the name of the company but the company that like owned White Wolf at the time or something they put out Ravenloft the people that made swords yeah and I remember that yeah. that era and yeah. they put out the GM book and 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 they had a thing in there that was like like a way to structure the 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 challenge ratings and the encounter levels in order to sort of maximize terror. And that just seemed like the complete opposite way yeah. to do a horror. Do you know what I mean? So, and I forget what they were doing, but they would have like, like you do like the series of really easy encounters. They boom, you have like a super big challenge encounter or you have like, you know, like they had different approaches that they suggested. And it was purely, I mean, it was a product of the system, but that, that to me didn't feel like horror. That felt like accounting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I like going, I mean, I, I like running horror a lot. I run like a lot of Call of Cthulhu and Unknown Armies over the year. And I, I love running horror. And it's, you know, horror is reading the room and playing and, you know, just, you know, it's, it's, it's a real, you know, the, I, yeah, the idea of just doing it by a checklist. It's like, man, that's, that's, there's nothing, nothing well, for me as a GM. In and, and in fairness, I should say that book wasn't limited to that. Like there were a lot of other things in the book that were fine. It's just that that one, yeah. that was sort of like, I was like, this is, this is the part of this system that bothers me. Like that's when I sort of realized like it was that and the, um, and the way skills sometimes worked, uh, that was, you know, as well as a few other things that were starting to kind of get a little bit on my nerves with it. Um, I actually, I actually like three E. I think it's a fine system. I just feel mm-hmm. like you kind of have to either, you either have to kind of like play it the way that it's intended, to, you know, like, uh, like, you know, you have to be willing to sort of, if you're a GM, do some of the optimization needed to, to, to make things work, or you have to work around the system somehow. Um, yeah, I, I think objectively, it is a perfectly fine system. It just, I don't know. I mean, it's just, you know, being being the age I am, it just doesn't do what I want D and D to do. Mm. You know, that's all. Yeah. It's like, a, I'd rather play something else if I'm not going to play the D and D I want. So, 
it's just kind of in this middle road for me. But, yeah, 3E. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, what can you do? Um, but, and also, I mean, you know, there's, um, I don't know, what, what would you say is your uh, your preference in terms of D&D, like with the, um, in terms of complexity, in terms of... Uh, IBX is my, my what I started with, and I, I like that the best because it's a, uh, it's it's got it's clear it's got it's got a fair amount of structure to it you know it's like going back all the way to original D and D is a little too flimsy for me. Mm -hmm. BX is very simple. It has everything you absolutely need, and it's it's pretty easy to put other you know other pieces onto. You can attach house rules to it really mm -hmm. easily. If there's if there's a piece of advanced D and D you want, you can stick it on there. And I mean, it's just. It's a nice base to build on, depending on what you need on a campaign. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. yeah so what's yours? Um, I mean, I, I, I cut my teeth on... I mean, I, I started on 1E as a player, but I really cut my teeth on 2E. And, mm -hmm. and I find, you know, I know it's not the most popular version of the game. It gets a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but I actually like it. I, I, I ran... I mean, I haven't run it in a while. I, I did run a... Um, I ran a Ravenloft game using it uh, not too long ago because one of my frustrations was I I would run like all through the three year I kept trying to run Ravenloft using the new books using <laughs> using the old books but with the new stat like you know updating them for the stats I was trying everything and the game never played the way I remembered it playing and I and I remember at one point I thought well it just must be nostalgia because I must have <laughs> I must have I must have been seventeen to twenty three when I was really deep well probably 15 to, to 20s early 20s i don't know but whatever yeah. however old i was i there was a period from like my sophomore year in high school until a couple years after i graduated when i was playing ravenloft all the time and so that's a pretty nostalgic period too for a lot of people so i was like that must be what it was and then and then soon after that 3e came out and um and i and I, I, I continued playing but i tried to to do it with 3e and it just never i mean it still played it just didn't feel the same and then yeah. I ran it with Tui, and I was like, "Oh, this feels exactly the way it did when I was playing in high school. Like it's the mood that I want. Like everything feels right about this." And yeah, and I realized number one, you can use you know Tui is the perfect system because all the Ravenloft material was originally written for Tui. So like you can except for like the you know the first edition modules, but I'm talking sure. like the um the the black box set and on yeah the campaign set yeah. yeah so you know if i want to run feast of goblins tui i can do it with that but also the way that the non-weapon proficiency system doesn't interfere with with certain aspects of investigation and role playing it, mm -hmm. it takes it it, it, it it you know it, you can use it for certain things but you can't use it to circumvent interacting with the setting or um or interacting with characters, unless you use some of the expanded non-weapon proficiency material. But if you're just limiting it to the the rule book, it, it's it's pretty it's it's pretty light, and and it's only it's one of like three different options, anyways, in there. So you could just totally scrap scrap it. I think most of the NPCs in Ravenloft didn't have any of the non-weapon proficiency information, if I recall. Um, yeah, yeah. But but I oh go ahead go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, it's funny how when you go back to an earlier version of D&D &D after playing 3E, you know, I, I never played played 2nd Edition because I, that was like kind of when I quit D&D &D was when 2nd Edition came out. I was like, okay, I've been playing this for years. I'm done. I'm not going to get on board with a whole new edition. Mm -hmm. I just kind of walked away for a, until 3rd Edition came out. 
But, uh, you know, the things the things I didn't like about D&D that I'd complain, well, the things I thought I didn't like about D&D were things like, well, the combat system is so simple. There's like no real options. You just kind of got the generic hit point pile and, uh, you know, and, and everything. And it's like, I, I, you know, but when I went back and played it again after playing third edition, it it is simple, but it means it moves really quickly. Yeah. It's just an incredibly fast combat system. And it means that combat, the game isn't about combat. With third edition, it's like combat is such a huge part of what third edition is. And it does, it, it is a good tactical combat game. But that's not what I re- I realized that's not really what I want. I, I mm. like to have these five minute fight fights and mm. boom onto onto something else, then boom, five minute fights and onto something yeah. else. And it uh Yeah, I, it I just mean, Oh go ahead. Go ahead. It just keep it just it just keeps a different pace to the game. I mean, going back to like dungeon exploring, the you know, the the focus of a session really is going room to room, exploring the dungeon and, and seeing the larger picture which yep. you really can't get when you only get a couple of fights in. No, and that's kind of, like I said, like when I ran, um, when I would run Ravenloft in the 2E era, the way that the focus was really more like on the investigation or the monster hunt or, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of discovering the, the, the villain's secret weakness. And, and you would have these combats, but they would be, you know, they would be very sort of atmospheric and, um, and, and, it, and it would be more like, you know, something happens, you know, what are you going to do about it? You're like, what, you know, like you sort of are describing the scene and the players are reacting to it and making decisions and, 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 uh, and it wasn't as tactically oriented, I guess, at least for the way I would run it. Um, and, and yeah, it's probably a much more heavy system than, than, than what you're talking about. But, but even, even, mm-hmm. you know, even so, I think two, was still fairly, fairly light in terms of lighter than three. Yeah. I'm sure. But, um, uh, but yeah, investigative games really require fast combat. That's something I found having run a lot of Call of Cthulhu, and I actually once run massive Nyarlathotep using the Savage Worlds rules, just because it's such a pulpy Cthulhu campaign. But I'll see how that plays. You know, and like you said, Savage Worlds has really fast combat, so that that works surprisingly. I was like, wow, Savage Worlds is actually a really good investigative game for that reason. Mm-hmm. It's, I think that's the key ingredient. If you if you have like half an hour to hour long fights, everyone's lost the thread of the investigation. They're like, yeah. what, what what clues were there? What, yeah. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, in like in like a noir or a pulpy or even like a modern investigation kind of game, you almost want like you pull out the gun, you shoot the guy, and he drops. Like you want it to yeah. be like that. Um, yeah. And 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 that's that's all you need. Um, and and I think that I think that works just fine. I mean, again, it, it does depend on, on on what you're trying to do, but uh, but I, I I tend to prefer that for investigation stuff because I want the focus to be on the investigation. Um, mm-hmm. And so so yeah, I think um, I, I think that that's a uh, uh, you know a useful thing to have. Uh, and I think I think Savage Worlds is a good a good game for that. And uh, I think um, you know I think when I when, when you know you, the the game. Uh, uh, the, the early gumshoe game, Esoteric Terrorists, that yeah. you kind of helped me because I, I wasn't as used to the system, but I was running it for some people. And uh, one of the things that struck me about that game was how fast the combat was intended to be. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that was one of the better things about it. Like, like obviously, when he was writing that book, he didn't want you spending a lot of time 
fiddling with combat. That wasn't the point. And, no. and, 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 and it was kind of refreshing to see like, oh yeah, the monster just has like two, like, I think mo- like most of the monsters had like two little stats and like, uh, like, like the entries for the monsters were ridiculously small and, uh, yeah. and, it, and, 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 and it worked. Um, so yeah, well, that's the thing with, uh, with, with gumshoe is like players are sometimes cautious on spending their combat points and stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, you just want to go all in during combat. Boom, put the monster down, just mm-hmm. blow all your points in the first round and <laughs> put okay, an end to it. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, there's, you know, and as I say, it's, it's what you're going for. I mean, not, not, I mean, it's obviously some games you do want more involved combat. I mean, you know. Obviously, if you know with Wandering Heroes of Ogre Gate, you don't want every fight to last one minute because that's that's kind of a key part of the game. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that, that's that's true. Um, and uh, I think with uh, with that one too, you know, like it's funny because I, I do it's with any well with any martial arts game in general, you sort of have this decision you have to make: do I want do I want to have like individual discrete techniques that are going to take a long time to sort of managing mm-hmm. the game or do i want to have do i want to gloss over that more and abstract it a bit and have the combat be faster um you know those are kind of to me that's kind of like the two extremes um sure and uh it's a tricky thing to do i think i think it's good to have different approaches to uh to that but 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 I, but i've also seen games that have done more descriptive style uh, martial arts. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. like I think, it, like, because you think of like a martial arts movie, and in a way, like every, like if you sort of think of like the real classic, like you know, like seventy Shaw Brothers, like martial arts, like like wuxia kung fu style things. A lot of the fight scenes, it's like a series of very important choices the characters are making, and so I yeah. always thought it would be kind of. I don't know if there's a game that's actually done this. There probably is that I just don't know about, but one where you're 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 announcing your move and it's kind of like paper rock scissors do you know what i mean rather than yeah you're rolling dice and you're making a choice ah he just used eagle's claw on me so now i'm gonna i'm gonna use this move that that you know kicks him in the groin because that's like a the perfect counter to that uh you know but <laughs> yeah. you really I, I don't know i don't know I, you'd have to really build an elaborate system but i think it would be kind of fun one, oddly, one of the more interesting martial arts systems was in the original Conspiracy X game. I've, a lot where, of people, yeah, I've, a lot of people say that. A lot of people say that because you you had these combos, you'd build these combos out of the different moves, and one thing you could do was start start one of your combos with a defense. Mm-hmm. So it's like one of my combos was dodge, punch, kick. I could wait for you to attack me then do my dodge punch kick. So it's your turn, but I'm like, you know, if I, if I succeed in that dodge, I could do the punch. If I succeed in the punch, mm. I can do the kick. And, you know, see, so you'd kind of have these, you know, you'd often be looking to set up a, a, a combo chain on someone else. But, uh, yeah, it was fun. That was, uh, I mean, it, there were, there were other problems with the system there in places, but, uh, well, for some people, but, cause I mean, one thing a lot of people didn't like, it was very easy to have, a character who was very skilled at something where the other character couldn't even oppose them. I mean, I got into a, I got into a PC versus PC fight in a, in a game of that. And the guy who was fighting me just didn't have any martial arts skill at all. And I was just this trained killer. And, you know, he, he like starts this fight with me and it's like, boom, I didn't need to roll dice. I just like executed my combo on him. Okay. <laughs> just... I mean, I guess on the one hand that could be bad. On the other hand, that's kind of cool because it's like a, um, you know, like, like, 
you, you know, I, I I can think of a lot of movies where there are characters like that, where they just you know exactly the, crap out I, of the guy that doesn't know any any martial arts and uh, yeah. So and he was the one that started the piece, you know, PC versus PC stuff anyway. So I, you know, I, I'm not a, I, I don't feel bad about that. It's like he pulled a gun on me. He shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and, uh, but we've actually we've been going on for like an hour and ten minutes, so I think uh, yeah, we should probably, probably wrap this session yeah. up here. Um, but okay, so uh, so yeah, we'll be uh, back on with the the next episode, and we're still going to be doing. Uh, I guess we'll just be waiting for Nick to come back to do the uh, the the classic who. That's probably do the, the classics, yeah. sure. And we're going to get to Lady Lady Snowblood at some point in the near future. So uh, yeah, so, I should be able to get that in the next night or two. I'll be ready to review that. Okay, so so we'll be back on, and uh, and until then, we'll talk to you later. Bye.